Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, I want to introduce myself. I'm Jess, one of the pastors here at Pinewood. And man, it's amazing to welcome you to the 6 p.m. Mayhem. Let's go. You're with me tonight. (laughs) Well, I have absolutely loved this collection of talks. If this is your first time to Pinewood, I want to welcome you. It's a privilege and an honor that you have walked into our house tonight. And I hope you feel loved and welcomed and seen, that you're valued, and that you have a home here. This is a safe place for you. But hey, if it's your first time, Parker launched us into our yearly theme a couple weeks ago, Build a Bridge, which led us into our very first series of talks called Bridges. That kind of goes, right? It's great. So it's been amazing to walk this journey, but I think sometimes we think that there's one bridge that we cross in life. That we're on this side of the bridge, and then once we get to this side of the bridge, we've arrived. And what that represents is from where we are to where God's called us to go. But I hate to tell you tonight, there's probably many bridges that you're going to have to cross in your life. And what happens is when we cross one bridge, there's going to be another bridge. And once we have that feeling that I've arrived, I made it through, I crossed. If you watched the slack line last week, made it across. People are walking the journey with you. Sometimes you have to walk the same bridge again. And it's hard, and ultimately, it's a process. Until we see Jesus face to face, And sanctification is fully washed over us in that moment of seeing Jesus, and we have fully arrived home. It's going to be a process. So thanks for joining us on the Bridges journey as we continue to walk the bridges together. Isn't it great that we get to do it together? So we're going to dive into God's Word. If you you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to take it out and open it up to Luke. We're going to learn from Dr. Luke tonight. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to either download the app, version, or get one on your way out, or even now. No shame in that. You can get up and get a Bible. But we love God's Word. We truly believe that when you open it, it changes your life. We believe that it is inspired by God, and from the front cover to the back cover, it is without error. So we're going to lean into it tonight saying that when we just lean in even just a little, God's going to meet us halfway, or more than halfway, right? And he's going to speak to us through his word. So we're going to be in Luke 15, starting at verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons, and a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. This is like the true, like bottom of the barrel. 
like you're at the end, right? Like the worst of the worst. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him, his son, and his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Man, I love a good story. I love reading to my kids a story. I love the endings of stories, the hype in the middle of a story. I just love a good story. And Jesus was the best storyteller of all. I think we have so much to learn from him in storytelling. We're constantly telling a story. You know this, right? whether through social, whether through your words, you are constantly telling a story. And how Jesus used storytelling was he called them parable, parables. Parable is a story with a purpose. And so we see here that Jesus is going to walk us through this journey of the parable of the prodigal son. And prodigal means someone who is Reckless. Can y'all say reckless? Can y'all say it one more time a little louder with a little more passion? Tell it to your neighbor. Reckless. There we go. You're with me tonight. Okay, can you can you relate to reckless? Can anyone in the in the room relate to reckless? All the time. Here we go. So I was kind of known growing up as the accident prone child. Not proud of that. I'm not anymore. Um, But growing up when I was four years old, I had this idea that I would get on my sister's, my older sister's bike without training wheels, and I would hop on it, which I had to hop on it using the basement staircase because it was so tall. So I'm like climbing on this bicycle, my feet are dangling off both sides, and I'm like, Mom, Dad, you have to come see. I can ride my sister's bike without training wheels. Um, And so as soon as I take off, on the bike, which I don't even know if it's a takeoff. It's more of like the push off the stairs, you know? And I crash. And I busted open my chin, ended up in the emergency room, stitches, whole nine yards. And that may seem reckless, like that was an action that was just gonna end in destruction from the get-go. But the, the real reckless moment was when I got on the bike. After I got my stitches out, I got on the bike again it was like, oh, I'm brave, I'm fierce, I got this, I learned from my mistake, I know how to do this. Got back on the bike, did it again, and crashed and fell and got stitches back in my chin. That was reckless. And I think some of us, including myself, have done reckless things before in our life. That we have maybe gotten drunk at a party and woken up the next day feeling awful just to get drunk again the next day. That's reckless. 
Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe you've ran up a credit card, spent all the money that you didn't have, finally paid off the credit card, which is something to celebrate, but then you do it again. And maybe it's a relationship or relationship one after another that you're constantly restoring because once you mess up or you lash out or you break a relationship and you find freedom in it, you just go right back to it. That's the reckless behavior we're talking about. Let me give you the definition here. Reckless is a person not thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. Reckless is a person not thinking or caring about the consequences of an action. Restoration is the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. So look to your neighbor and say restored. Okay, because we're not going to leave you at a place of recklessness tonight. We truly believe God wants to take you from being reckless to restored. Can we just pray with Pray with me tonight as we enter this text. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful, Father, that you're with us, that you see us, that you draw near to us when we pull away, that you sit with us in our mess, that you walk with us on the journey, that you don't leave us or forsake us. So Jesus, we ask that you would come tonight, that you would do what only you can do, restore pieces that are broken Restore people that are living in reckless living. Restore people who Jesus need to just be aware of where they are, that need to forgive someone in their life, that need to ask and receive forgiveness from you. Jesus, we pray and believe these things because we know that there is power in your name. So we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So in our early years of marriage, we had a lot of time and very little money. Anyone relate? Maybe you're not married, but you have a lot of time and you have little money. (laughs) Um, That was us, and it was a hobby of mine to restore furniture. And I still absolutely love restoring furniture. I just don't have as much time on my hands, so it just doesn't happen. It will probably need to happen, though, because I have five kids and our furniture is shambles. Yeah, it's great. Um, So it's, it's a process of restoring furniture, but... What I would do on Monday mornings was that was the trash pickup day, and I would drive around our neighborhood and find all the places and people's houses that would leave furniture out on the corner, and I would go pick it up, like use all my strong muscles and haul all the furniture by myself in the trunk of a vehicle and call Parker, giddy and excited that I found another piece of furniture to restore. Because what happens in that restoration process is really just a lot of work and little return. I would sand and I would prime and I would paint and then resell and just do it again, you know, just do it. And I think it was more of a hobby than anything, but it was this process of restoration that really was just really messy and really hard, but the outcome ended up really beautiful. And that's what we see in a process of restoration. I wonder if you've ever restored anything that's broken maybe skis or snowboards. I don't know anything about that because you don't want to see me on the slopes. <laughs> Reckless. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you've had to restore some skis or snowboard, maybe your phone, the screen breaks. Maybe it's a relationship. 
that over and over and over you're having to ask forgiveness. I know I do that with my kids a lot. There's beauty in just saying, I'm sorry. There's beauty in just saying, will you forgive me? And maybe you're having to do that same thing over and over. We've all restored something before. And what we know about it is it's messy and it's a process. So we're going to lean into the story of the prodigal son tonight to learn from him. We're going to learn what he did, what happened to him, the process of restoration, and how we can go from where we are to where God's calling us to go. And I think to start this journey, it's important that we remove layers. Remove layers. It says in verse 7, when he finally came to his senses. So, so the prodigal son was living in his reckless behavior, eating with the pigs, and he wasn't even aware of his brokenness. He wasn't even aware what he was doing. Away from his family, seeking out a dream and passion and have all this wealth, I have all this money, I'm gonna go do this thing. And he's striving after it and he wasn't even aware how broken his life was turning out to be. And so what we see is he says, he came to his senses. And I believe there's a lot of people tonight that you are where you are but you're not where you could be or where you want to be. And therefore, it takes a restoration process. I have a few questions that will increase your awareness tonight of where you are. Because what happened with the prodigal, he went and asked for his father. He asked for these certain things, went out and lived lavishly, ended up with the pigs. And then he had this moment of awareness And I think some of us tonight don't even know our brokenness. Don't even know our need for a father. If he knew his need for the father when he was eating with the pigs, he would have gone home. I would have gone home. But it took him coming to his senses and becoming aware where he was for him to even make that next step. So write this down. Where are you with God? Where are you with God? Are you living a life of shame and guilt? Just saying, man, God will never receive me back. All the things that I've done, my past, my brokenness. You don't, he doesn't know what you know, I've said to my dad. He doesn't know what I've gone through which really God sees you and knows you, every part of you. And yet he still is offering that freedom. So where are you with God tonight? Are you angry at him? Are you mad? Is a circumstance that you prayed so hard for and God decided to do something different? I've been there and it's really hard. But did you turn that pain into purpose or did you turn the pain into anger? What are you doing with the pain that God chooses to do something different in your life than what you wanted? So where are you with God, number one? Number two, where are you with others? Isn't it amazing that God built us for community? Life-giving community, honoring words, honoring actions. He didn't 
create us to tear each other down, but he created us to build each other up in community. So where are you with other people? Maybe you're even living a life of pride in that, saying, I'm right, they're wrong, they need to get over themselves and come back to me and ask forgiveness. But really, like we know in relationships, there's always two sides to a story, and typically there's brokenness on both sides. And maybe not tonight. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're going, you don't know what my dad did to me. You don't know what my grandpa said to me. You don't know the hurts and the lies that were spoken over me. You're right, I don't. And you may have no fault in that at all. But God sees you and he loves you and he can give you a heart of freedom from that. So where are you tonight? So we're gonna remove some layers you to process through that, removing some layers to become aware of where you are tonight. And that's a, that's a process of really asking the Lord, where, what is my true self, my true identity? We could stay here in this space of awareness, which we see the prodigal was processing through what that actually looked like because he's rehearsing in his head what he's gonna say to his father. He says, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. We often rehearse restoration instead of just receiving restoration. You want the bridges of dreams and visions, but you want to skip the bridges of restoration and forgiveness. So many of us are on this, Parker talked about last week of getting to this place, or a couple weeks ago, of what's your burden? And we want to go there. We want to feed the homeless, and we want to serve the trafficking victims. We want to go to Africa and serve the orphans overseas. We want to love on our coworkers in our gym, or in our gym, we want to see our family say yes to Jesus. And that's the dream. That's the passion birthed inside of you from Jesus. But sometimes it's real hard and real messy to go on that emotional bridge with Jesus. To say to get to that space in a healthy way, I first have to cross these other bridges. And God wants to take you on that journey. So we could stay frozen in this moment of time of just awareness of saying, okay, I went from being not aware to now I'm aware. I'm broken, which we all are, by the way. Like, there's no one exempt from that tonight. There's something in all of our lives that we can release tonight. But we could, we could become aware, and Jesus could bring us to a place of awareness, and we could stay there. Wallow in eating with the pigs. Or we can take the next step. We say, I'm not going to stay there because I know where I want to go and where God's calling me to go. And it's going to take plunging through, getting real with the Lord, saying some I'm sorry's, letting your hands open and releasing some control because Jesus take the wheel. Right? Like it's hard. It's hard to just let go because we are in such a culture and we are such a people of control that it's hard to just let go. 
But what we see in verse 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. He returned home to his father. And what we see in this is an action. So he's first aware. He came to his senses, and then he takes action. He says, I'm not going to stay in that place. Man, I'm aware where where I'm at right now. I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to move forward and not get stuck, not get frozen like Parker was talking about last week, just getting frozen and stuck in the middle. So you either choose to be frozen and stuck in the middle or you go back, which means you could become more reckless, farther from relationship, farther from where God's called you to go, and you get stuck. But what happens and what we see is he got up and he took action. And what this looks like is releasing the grip. What the prodigal had to do when he got up to take action, I guarantee there was thought processing in his head for days of what it looked like to surrender and go home to his father. The humility that that took, the shame that he was feeling, that was a big action step. Even it, it talks about his brother being home. What's, what is he going to say? It took an action step, and that action step was an act of surrender. That action step was releasing the grip that he was holding so tightly to his life that he didn't want to release. Maybe you're at the end of yourself and not exactly sure what it looks like to let go. Can I just tell you that's very normal? Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're going, man, I'm aware for the very first time that I'm broken in this area, that I'm broken here, that I need restoration here, that I need to forgive this person. And it's either your relationship with the Lord or your relationship with others. And you're going, what do I do with that? That's hard. I've been there of having a very close relationship to me that was in desperate need of restoration. And it was years of restoration. Ultimately, what happened was there were, it was me and her, and there were some things that went down that were hurtful. Things were said, things were done that were hurtful. And you can always play the card that they're wrong and you're right, and you can walk in that. And there's bitterness that gets rooted. There's anger. There's hatred. Like truly, you're not experiencing freedom when you're just wanting justice. And at the end of the day, when I look back on the whole journey, we both were in the wrong. There were things done on both sides that could have been done differently. So for years, every single encounter was awkward. Every single encounter felt fake. Every single encounter felt bitterness and anger and injustice. And it was really hard and messy. And I wonder if you've ever been there before with a mom or a dad, a sister, a best friend, a coworker, someone that you barely know. 
Bitterness gives you what you think you want, but forgiveness gives you what you need. Bitterness will eat you away. A C.S. Lewis quote says this, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting it to hurt the other person. And that's ultimately what was happening to me. I thought I had let go. I thought I'd asked the Lord for forgiveness and sought out and was reading scripture and doing the next right thing and reading the books and listening to the podcast. But what I failed to do was just let go. So we're still trying to drive our own life and hold on tight to everything and control how we do it and how we let go and how we restore and how we mend the broken relationship. And God's like, actually, if you just give me the wheel, I'll do all of it. I'll take you to a place of freedom. I'll take you to a place of restoration. So I wonder what you need to let go of today. This is the thing that maybe you're holding on to really tightly. Maybe it's the thing that's just really hard and messy. Anger, bitterness, something from your past. A hurt that was done to you, something that was said to you. An emotion. That's tough. So I wonder what you need to let go of today. The moment of freedom happens when we discover that we can't do this on our own. The moment of freedom happens when we realize we can't do this on our own. We are in a DIY world. I lived that, the furniture life. Do it yourself, figure it out, read this book, listen to this leadership podcast, listen to 12 sermons, do all these things and you'll figure it out. But God's saying true freedom happens when you discover you can't do it on your own. And you let Jesus just rush in. I'm standing here today having experienced this radical freedom in my life. I speak from an overflow of having received the freedom that God gave me from this relationship. That now we are walking and talking in a living miracle that God can store relationships. And that restoration of relationship for you, if you're sitting there thinking, restoration of relationship for me does not look like friendship. And that's okay. God can restore and heal and let you be released of bitterness and anger. And you never talk to that person again. He restores the broken to a place of beauty that only he can bring. And it's the most free that you will ever feel. It's amazing when you start looking at statistics of unforgiveness and you, watch, you look at the brain and you watch what, it happens in, what happens in your life when you're holding on to unforgiveness. It's the exact space that the enemy wants you to steal, kill, and destroy you so that he can have life through you and not Jesus. Jesus wants to bring you freedom from that. So we see when the prodigal, it says in verse 12, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. We're gonna go to the beginning of the story. His father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in the wild living. 
We're going back to the beginning of the story because what's happening here is the younger son had come to his father asking for the wrong thing. He came to his father saying, I want this. I want my estate. I want my inheritance, which was so shameful. It was like the younger son was telling his father, I wish you were dead. He cared more of what he got from his father than what his father had to give. His father wanted relationship. He wanted unity. He wanted to restore the broken places in his heart. And here we see the prodigal just asking for what he wanted. How many of us are approaching our father that way? Just going to him and asking him, give me this dream. Let me see this vision take place. Take me to these places. And he's going, man, you're asking for all the wrong thing. I just want to love you. I just want to have relationship with you. And I'm going to restore you to a place that you will have freedom so that you can go to those places that I'm calling you to go. I love this part of the text where he says towards the end, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son. So we see this switch in the story where the prodigal in his broken place became aware and chose to get up and go home. To receive the right thing. The right thing was not inheritance. The right thing was not his dreams and ambitions because truly what he said when he came back to his father, just take me on as a hired servant. I'll take anything. I'm at a place of complete brokenness, complete distraught. I have nothing to give. So what we see is as he takes this step, he removed the layers, he started releasing the grip, and as he took that first step, the father comes running to him. The moment you let go is the moment he rushes in. It's not like, let me do all the things, let me figure out all the things, and then I'll let Jesus rush in. No, he wants to enter into your story and rush in right where you are. He wants to come and fill those broken places, the broken pieces in your heart that have been shattered for years, the broken pieces in your soul that you just are having a hard time letting go of. Because if you let go, what's going to happen? Will injustice happen? Will they get what they deserve? What happens to me if I let go? And Jesus is saying, no, I just, I just want you to let go and let freedom rush in. Such an amazing picture of our father. Because if you know anything about this parable and the prodigal son, you know that the prodigal son is us. Living a reckless and broken life. And the father represents Jesus. So as the prodigal, as we take that first step, Jesus rushes in. When you cross the bridge of restoration with Jesus, he empowers you to cross the bridge of restoration with others. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to have Jesus to forgive people, but a life of freedom happens when you feel empowered by Jesus to forgive people.
that you don't just forgive one person, you write out a list of people that you need to forgive. You write a list out of the brokenness that's in your heart right now. And you say, Jesus, I just, I just have to let go of these things. Now, will it be instantaneous? Maybe. But for me, it was a process. But the freedom that happened the next time I was with my friend, looked her into the eyes, there was no angst. I looked at Parker and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, like God just did this thing. Went on a prayer hike with Jesus, threw my hands up in the air and I said, I can't do it anymore. I've tried all the things. I, you, if you want me to experience true forgiveness, you're gonna have to do it. Have you ever experienced that? Where it's like, okay, Jesus, if you want me to open my hands to this thing, you're gonna have to open my hands. That was me. I wanted it with my words, but I didn't want it with my actions of just letting go, opening my hands, opening my heart to receive forgiveness from Jesus and then to let it overflow to other people. What do you need to release the grip on tonight? Who do you need to release the grip on? probably names popping in your head, broken pieces and shattered spaces in your heart that Jesus is just going, come to me. The burden is heavy and I want to give you rest. He wants rest for your soul. He wants freedom for your soul. Jesus calls us to forgive 70 times seven. And what if we were a people of forgiveness? What if we were people that just lived with our hands open of surrender to just say, you know what? They can say what they want. They can do what they want. I'm gonna forgive 70 times seven. I'm gonna receive 70 times seven. I'm gonna receive forgiveness and I'm gonna give forgiveness. Will you stand with me as we pray and as we close out the night? And hey, We're gonna do an invitation. And maybe you're in the room tonight and you're saying, I don't don't understand this forgiveness from the Father like you're talking about. Jesus says, you can come to him. He says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He took the ultimate penalty of death, the ultimate sacrifice He saw us in our brokenness and he said, I see your brokenness, but I'm not gonna leave you in it. I'm gonna grant you freedom and freedom is relationship with Jesus. We have access to Jesus because he died a perfect death for us. We have access to have relationship with the Father. We have access to go to him and say, I can surrender because he's trustworthy. He's a good father. He's a way maker. And he can do anything in my situation when I surrender and let go. He wants to do that in your life tonight. So whether it's a person, a place in your spirit that you're just having a hard time letting go up to the Lord, I want to encourage you to come. We're going to have some of our team leads here up front during this last song. And I just want you to encourage you to be vulnerable, ask for forgiveness, ask for prayer. We will walk you through that journey. We won't leave you alone. I mean, the bridge is way easier to cross when you do it with people.
can sit in your seat, sure, and you can pray the same way as if you come up. But there's something beautiful of stepping out and letting a community surround you and say you're not alone. I'm in it with you tonight. There's always broken places in my spirit. There's always places that I need forgiveness. So as we sing this final song, I just want to encourage you to come. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.